Thank you for listening to Fearless LA. We believe that where love is greater, fear is less. Tune in today to hear a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Jeremy Johnson. Jump into John chapter 12. And this is a different uh, part of this story. And we're going to kick into the whole thing. Uh, We're going to try this a little different. John chapter 12 says this, verse number one. Six days after Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. That's That's a good friend right there. That's a friend you want to invite over for dinner. And as we see, he has. Here a great dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, as Martha does. You know Martha. She's always up serving. She got in trouble for that last time. I guess she didn't figure it out yet. Martha was serving while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard. An expensive perfume, they say that the perfume she had was worth about $35,000. Now, that's some Gucci perfume right there. That's, that's some, they mixed it up. You, you ain't getting that anywhere. That, that's some good stuff. Uh, she, she took the perfume that was made out of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet. And she wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with a fragrance of perfume. But one of those disciples, uh, you know him, Judas, you know that guy, Iscariot, uh, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? (laughs) We have a lot of those people in churches now today, you know, want to control our money that we give. We want to make sure it goes to the right places and the church is doing the right thing. Sounds kind of like Judas right here. Uh, Anyways, uh, why wasn't this sold and given to the poor? It's worth a year's wages. And as you know, if you live in L.A., 35,000 ain't cutting it here, baby. This is we need a little more. He did not say this because he cared about the poor. But because he was a thief. As the keeper of the money bags. Now, that's kind of crazy. Jesus knew the whole time Judas would betray him, but he allowed him in such a high position. Judas used to help himself to what was put in the money bag. Oh, uh uh-oh. And Jesus looked at Judas, and he said, leave her alone. Jesus replied, it was intended that she should save this perfume for this day for my burial. You will always have with you the poor. But you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd gathered and found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priest made plans to kill Lazarus as well. When you get with Jesus, you got to look out. People are going to try taking you out too. For on one count of him, many Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. Wow. 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 This story is powerful. I don't know if you've ever got the essence of this story. And this is Mary that, that breaks the alabaster bottle. And this is Lazarus, the, the, the story of the, the man who was dead for four days. And Jesus 
shows up and raises him from the dead. And this is Simon's house. Earlier we find out that uh, the father of, now these guys are all siblings, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, they're, they're brothers and sisters. What a, a household. I would say they had a full house right there. And, and then their father, his name is Simon. But earlier we find out he's called Simon the leper. Uh, be, not because he has leprosy anymore, because when we hear about him, uh, he's in the first part of the story. When Lazarus is dead, we hear that they're all gathered in Simon the leper's house. And uh, we know that he does not anymore have leprosy because if you had leprosy, you could not be around normal folk. Uh, people without leprosy, you just didn't get to hang out because leprosy was a skin disease that if you had it and you got next to someone else, it was kind of like bed bugs in downtown LA, amen, uh, except for detrimental to your life. And uh, I just made a few of you itch, amen, praise God. This is this family. The, the, the man with leprosy is now healed. Lazarus was dead. He's now alive, and Mary walks in, and people are there, and the disciples are there, and this is a house of worship. This is a house of praise. This is a house that believes he is who he says he is, and there are people in the midst of the belief that are unbelievers. Uh, Judas was not a believer. Obviously, if he knew who he was killing, he would have never turned him in for 30 pieces of silver, but he did, and, and here they are, and Mary walks in, and please don't confuse this story with the other Mary in the other house of Simon the Pharisee that happened in the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Uh, he was there in the beginning. This woman came who was a great sinner, a notorious sinner, and all the, the Pharisees and the religious people looked at Jesus, and as this woman came in and, and broke her perfume over Jesus and wiped her hair on his, she did the same thing that this Mary did. They had the same name. Sometimes people get these stories mixed up, but one was a notorious sinner and one was a believer. But both of them came and worshiped at Jesus' feet. Both of them, uh, both the one that shouldn't be able to touch him and the one that had people looked at what she had and they said, there are two different angles on this. One that she came in and the people in the room said, Jesus, do you know who touches you? Meaning she has no right to touch you. And then the other one said, said to the woman, you have no right to give that to him. You see, there are always two ends of the spectrum. There will be people that judge your worship. There will be people that judge that Jesus shouldn't even have, have the audacity to touch your life. And then on the other end of the spectrum, religious people will say, I can't believe you have the audacity to worship him like that. But what they don't know, it is the same Jesus that touched you in that way is why you're worshiping in this way. You see, they judged both of their worships. Be careful to judge someone's worship. Be careful to cast judgment on how someone praises or how a person shouts when I preach. Uh, the people that are shouting when I preach realize that I am a one-man band. I don't have a drum. I don't have a guitar. I have all the power that I need. I am amplified in this work. The people that are shouting right now realize that worship is not about music. That worship is about words. We're still worshiping here today. But don't judge their praise. Don't judge how they shout. Like, oh, that guy's just crazy. Well, you don't know how crazy God's saved him out of and rescued him out of. You have no clue why, why Mary would come in with this, this 
years worth of wages and break everything. She didn't dab it. She didn't twinkle it. She didn't give him a one hand up. She was that ugly cry. She was that messed up cry. She got down and dirty, got her hair on his feet, man. I don't know if she just washed her hair, but she must have been a wealthy woman because she had a year's worth of wages she was willing to spend on this Jesus. And here's Lazarus reclining at the table. What a story. But to understand this story in this house of believers, you have to understand that this is the end of the story. Because if we go back and rewind a little bit, we will find the same believers just in crisis. The same Lazarus is dead. The same Mary worshiping is too emotionally distraught to even meet Jesus when he shows up. And the same Martha serving has attitude with Jesus when he comes to the door. You see, something shifts when we're in crisis. Be careful to make big decisions about God and your destiny when you're in crisis. Because someone is praising over the same ground you're crying over. Someone is worshiping on this side of the storm you're currently in. I dare you in the middle of your place as a believer to say, God, I I am a believer. I'm just in crisis. And the crisis was great. Death had showed up to their house. And they sent word for Jesus, who was only two miles away. Two miles. Two miles in L.A. is pretty far, but back then, two miles. Two miles on horseback. No traffic on the road. Two miles. Jesus is close by. He's not far away. He's just two miles away. And so they sent word for Jesus because Lazarus, whom Jesus loved, was sick. Remember Lazarus, last time you came over, Martha was serving you. Mary was worshiping at your feet. You corrected Martha and said, there's only one thing that I needed. But Lazarus was there. Remember Simon, our dad, whom you've healed of leprosy. This is his only son. The only one to carry on his legacy. This is Lazarus, who you love. They sent word for Jesus. The word got there to Jesus. And they expected Jesus to, as fast as he could, get back to do what Jesus does. Heal the hurting man. The Bible says that Jesus heard the word and he proclaimed back to them. This sickness shall not end in death. I came to proclaim something to you today. This thing you're going through shall not end in the end of you. This thing you're walking through this year, it has seen its last day. And I proclaim the Lord's word over your life that you will rise. You will make it through this. You will get to the other side of this. Jesus proclaims this will not end in death. And then the Bible says, Jesus got on his horse And rode as fast as he could and healed Lazarus. No. My Bible says as soon as he proclaimed that, Jesus went into the green room. Or or in other words, for two days, he extended his stay in a city he didn't need to be in. Jesus hears this time-sensitive word. Can you imagine this? Pastor, I need you to come see my family, they're in the hospital. And, and, I, and I'm like two miles away. I have nothing to do. 
You see me on my Instagram? You ever, you ever text someone, they don't text you back, and you see them on Instagram? You're like, oh, I got you. I know you saw that text. I know you saw that call. So you Instagram message them. Hey, how you doing? I like that steak you're eating right now. Wish you would have invited me. Here's Jesus. They are in crisis, and Jesus extends his stay for not one, not an hour, two more days. Lazarus, in the time, dies. So much for Jesus' word now. So, so much for that declaration now. So much for, big talk, Jesus, but there isn't a walk that lines up with that talk. You ever, you ever been there? You ever been guilty of that? Jesus made a promise, and the promise didn't happen? Ah. I'm a believer. I'm just in crisis. Just have some patience on me right now because I want to believe. This is who I am. I'm just in crisis. And they were in crisis. Their brother, who they believed Jesus would heal, he declared he would heal him. He dies. He's been so dead so long, they have the funeral procession. In their time, man, if you were Jewish, you didn't touch dead things. They would hire people to come in and get close to the body and mourn in their place and embalm the body. And They would carry them through the streets. Bethany, where they lived, was a small village town. They say now there's about 20 families that live there. That's how small the place they lived called Bethany was. Everyone in town knew Lazarus died. Jesus promised this was the family he loved. If he loves his family and he doesn't come through for him, then what's he going to do for me? And here they are, and they have the funeral. Everyone's weeping and mourning. They put him in the grave. And he's been in the grave for four days. He's been dead for four days. And here comes Jesus. How you guys doing? The Bible says that Martha meets him on the road. Martha's got some attitude. I say she has a little soul inside of her. She snaps that finger like this. And she, the Bible says that she says, where were you? The one whom you love died. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Jesus, you should have been here. I mean, you didn't get here for the hospital visit. You didn't get here for the last breath. You didn't even make it to the funeral. And he's been dead for four days in the tomb. And now you have the audacity to come walking into my life. You missed it, God. You missed it. You should have shown up sooner. If you would have shown up sooner, you could have done something. But now you walk up so confident. And something kicked in with her. Right after that, you see in the text, she says this, but even now, even now, I believe that you have the power, even now. See, it's okay if you got some attitude. It's okay if you talk to God with some attitude. Just make sure you understand the truth on the other side of that attitude. Just get that same attitude about who God is with your problem. Even now, I dare some people to look at their situation and say, yeah, it got missed. It got passed by. But even now, my God has power to do what he... Even now, I know that you are God. 
even now, even now. The first part of her story tells us that she's a lot like me. Hmm. I don't know if you're like me, but she's like me because whenever I'm in crisis, I kind of want God to freak out with me. I know he's God. I want him to be God. I know at the end of the day, he can turn the story around. We sing the songs, going to turn it around and around and around and around. And we used to do that song in church, and you just keep turning around. You're like, what's happening? And and you're going through crisis, and you're still turning around. And God's going to turn it around, and we know it. We believe it. But we're in crisis. God, when I'm in crisis, God, I kind of want you to freak out with me. I kind of want you to be frazzled. I want you to sweat a little bit. I want you to get down and go, man, this is difficult. Oh, God, how are we going to do this? I want to look at heaven and kind of see you pacing as well. This is what Martha was saying. Saying, God, how are you strolling in here so confident? It's funny how we want God to freak out with us. We want him to become human, but yet give the power of God. Maybe God's not freaking out with us because he's God. Maybe he was asleep, disciples, in the storm because he had made the water that was raging. That just at his words, they knew, the water knew that he wasn't going down in a storm. Even if he, they tried to sink him, the water would have shot him back up. A whale would have, I don't know. That's another story. I want God to freak out with me. I want him to get upset when I'm upset. But what I have to catch is that if he's God, he doesn't freak out like me. When he's calm, it should calm me. When he's silent and I'm loud, it should tell me something. Oh, you got this, huh? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry about that. I'm in crisis. Forgive me. I'm I'm in crisis. When I get in crisis, it's crazy. But I I get that you are silent. You're not saying anything, so, so that means you got it. You got, my, you got my front, you got my back, you got above me, you got beneath me. You, you, you're God the same yesterday, today, and forever. I, I am a believer. I just need to stir up my faith. You know what faith is? Faith is what combats unbelief. Let me, let me show you what faith is. Faith is, is, is belief plus confidence. This is what faith is. If you're in a place of unbelief, This is what you got to do. This is what Mary did to stir her faith. This is what Jesus told the disciples. Just a mustard seed of this concoction and you can move mountains. Do you think the disciples really wanted to move the mountains? The mountains weren't physical. They were spiritual. You know what the greatest mountains will move? Are the mountains inside of us. Jesus was saying, you of a lot of doubt and unbelief, if you just got a little bit of faith if you just got a little bit of belief plus action plus confidence confidence is when you can fully lean on something it is never changing it is ever present this is what we got to see God as when we see God as this we take action we step out see we don't care about church attendance here at fearless I could give a rip if you attend I want you to engage Meaning, I don't care if you come and hear my message. I care if you go and live the message that we just preached. Faith, let's say that again. Faith is, faith is, plus, plus, faith is. How do I fight my unbelief? 
You know what belief is? Belief is casting judgment on something. Right? My unbelief, even though it's casting judgment on my situation, I become the judge even though he's the judge. And so I am recasting my judgment. I'm taking back what I've casted, and I'm casting it for who God is. Martha looked at Jesus and said, I can't believe you didn't show up. I can't believe the, the funeral is already over. I can't believe you didn't come when I needed you, Jesus. And then she goes, but even now, even now, I'm putting my faith with my confidence, with my action, that you can be who you said you would be. Even now, you can raise the dead. Even now, you can bring my marriage back. Even now, you can bring my financial situation into completion. Even now, you can restore my dreams. Even now, you can restore my family. Even now, you can win Los Angeles. Even now, you can save my boss. Even now, my family will be saved. Even now, this sickness has to leave my body in the name. Come on, we got some crazy people in here. Even now. Even now. And you know how people are when you're sick and no one comes to visit you. Mm. It's tough enough being sick. Without that miracle of faith, hope, and love, the flowers just do something. There's some important times in people's lives. It's funerals, weddings, and when they're in the hospital. When their baby's born. These are times that when no one comes, a bitterness develops. And Martha comes and she is vocal, but... Not everybody is vocal about what they're going through. Jesus says, where's Mary? The Bible says Mary didn't even come out to meet him. She just stayed in the house weeping. And Jesus tells Martha, he says, tell Mary to meet us there and take me to where he died. Take me to where you laid him. Can I tell you this, folks? If our faith is going to be restored, if our confidence in God is going to be restored, if he's going to resurrect the dead in our life, we have to take him to where it died. You have to bring God to where your faith died. This is the question God's asking you today. When did you stop believing? When did you, when did you say, okay, that's it. He must not be God over this situation. When did you cast your unbelief or you cast your judgment in the side that God is not who he says he is? I'm jumping off this train because wherever that is, God needs you to bring him back there because when he shows up there, he will bring a resurrection to what is dead. Many times people say, man, I don't know where God is. I'm like, dude, he's back where your faith died. He's back waiting to resurrect that dead dream. He's back waiting to resurrect that dead marriage. He's back waiting to resurrect those dead hopes. He's, he's waiting there, but you need to lead him there. God's not just going to go sit there. He's waiting for you to say, God, okay, I know you know where it is, but let me tell you where I, I know where he is. God gets there to the tomb, and the Bible says before he does anything, Mary shows up, Martha's there, Mary's been crying all night, her makeup is running in every direction, and the Bible says Jesus stops and weeps. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. It goes like this, Jesus wept. Now, I mean, this is a crazy moment. Why did Jesus cry? He's about to stir up the biggest party this town has ever seen. In fact, this town was renamed Lazarus. That's what this town's called. That's what the locals call this town, the Lazarus town. If you go to this town today, they have Lazarus churches. 
They have the tomb of Lazarus. He was about to start the biggest revival, the biggest awakening. And before he parties, he takes a moment to crawl into Mary's situation. He said, can I tell you this about your God? This is your God. He's not here just to tell you what to do. You know, sometimes in life, you don't need that kind of advice. Sometimes you just need someone to get with you and go, man, this really sucks. Like, this is horrible. Like, can we just cry about this for like at least two days? Like, let's just sit here and cry because this is not okay. Can I tell you where you were wounded when you were five? The Lord was crying with you there. When you were abused, when you were walked out on, when people cut you the wrong way, our God is not just telling you how to get up. He's getting down with you. See, my God, that's the story of the gospel. My God is not just yelling at me to come forth. He actually climbed down into the pit with me and he put me on his shoulders and he picked me up and climb me back out it was my God who got down when I couldn't get up and God got down with Mary he said Mary I know it's like I'm so sorry I'm so sorry and he cried with her I don't know how long he cried with her I don't know how long Jesus wept you know right now God is weeping with you if you don't have words to say, he's not speaking words over you. He's doing what you're doing. He's crying with you right now. He's crying about something he knows he has the power to change. Why? Because love does not just move you forward. It moves in with you. God's not just trying to move you to a place. He wants to move in. He wants to move into your emotions. He wants to move into your feelings. He wants to move into your hurts. He wants to move into your wounds. He wants to move into your pain. And when he gets there, he's not trying to fix it first. First he goes, man, this sucks. I'm so sorry they said that. I'm so sorry they did that. I'm so sorry this happened. After a few moments, however long it was, Jesus, for whatever reason, and I want to encourage leaders, please, before you give people advice, stand in their shoes for a second. Before you tell them everything the Bible has to say, people are reading you. It's okay to step in their shoes and go, man. But Jesus also didn't stay weeping. The Bible says he got up and said, roll away the tomb. Martha stops him. She must have been the organized one. She said, hey, Jesus, I don't know if you get this. She's kind of feisty. He's been dead four days. I mean, he's, he's probably, she said, he stinketh. Is, is the, you know, he's got a smell. It's, it's not good. We don't have any odor spray. We, it's not a good smell. If that opens, and Jesus says, open it. Jesus is not afraid of your smell. Where you been? He opens it. And Jesus doesn't whisper he actually proclaims. And then he says this. He says, I'm doing this, Father. I know you hear me, even if I don't say anything. But I'm doing this for the people around me so they can glorify you. So they can know at the end of the story, it wasn't just me acting alone. It was me acting with you. He goes, Father, I know you hear me. Now, Lazarus, this is crazy. Lazarus doesn't have ears to hear. His ears have stopped working. They say after six minutes, your cells start to die. Your brain starts to die. After six minutes, after 10 minutes, you cannot turn around a person that has stopped breathing after 10 minutes. 
Lazarus sail. I mean, this is four days he's been dead. Lazarus' hearing is gone. Isn't this just like our Jesus? There are people that have come into this room and they are completely dead to who God is. And the word of God goes forth for this little man up here. And somehow you feel something hits you in the chest. God speaks into the tomb. His word shows up in the tomb and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And this dead man starts moving. People are like, what? He's like, of course, I'm God. This dead man hops to the forefront and he says, remove his grave clothes. Can I, I, want, I want to add this little piece in there. You can't move, remove your own grave clothes. You have, God has to bring people around you to begin to take off those bandages that you no longer need. There have been people in your life that says, man, you got to let go of that. you got to forgive that. you got to put down your walls. you got to make friends again. You, you, can't just, you can't just for the rest of your life because some girl hurt you, you're never going to date again. Because, because a, a man hurts you that no man will ever love you. Because a pastor hurts you, no pastor could ever lead you. We, we have, people will tell you, they'll come up to you and say, we got to take that off, man. You can't take off your own grave clothes. God is going to use someone else in your life to begin to unwrap you because where you came from is not where you're going to. Lazarus to move fully into what God had done had to rip off where he was from and remove his grave clothes and I don't know what happened at that moment did, did Jesus hug him did, the time goes by and they're hanging out at the house again Jesus is there and Judas is there and it's, it's at the beginning when they get there it's six days before Jesus dies but by the time this story is going down that I read at the beginning, it's only three days before Jesus would die on the cross. In fact, they're looking for him. This is a small town. And Jesus goes and takes time. And he's sitting at the table. He's, the Bible says he's reclining at the table. Lazarus is reclining with I don't know if they were playing cards. I don't know what they're doing. But I have this picture. And there's Simon the leper there. He's been healed. It's the believer not in crisis on the other side of crisis. And Mary, that used to be weeping, is now worshiping. She breaks everything to worship. I, I wonder what's on the other side of your crisis. To Lazarus, what was on the other side of his crisis is revival everywhere he went. You know Lazarus? He didn't become a good preacher. He didn't go to school to teach. or He didn't work on his singing gift. He didn't get a whole bunch of talent so he can minister the gospel. You know what he did? The Bible says he reclined at the table. You guys got another pillow? Okay, good. He reclined at the table, ate some chicken. I don't know, maybe it was a lamb, the Passover lamb. He was was eating at the table, and the Bible says that the Pharisees were so threatened by him breathing because in him being alive... Many people were turning their lives over to Jesus. Look, some of you don't get that when God resurrects things in your life, let me say it this way. This, no matter how major it feels, is a minor setback for a major comeback. This, no matter how big it feels, is minor in comparison to the comeback God is about to do in your life. 
I'm telling you what, from the tombs of Lazarus, it must have sucked to be dead. But how good was it to pass from death to life and you just breathing starts revival in your city? I wonder what praise is on the other side of your pain. I wonder what worship is on the other side of your wounds. I wonder what Prize. Oh, come on. I wonder what things are coming that you don't even know that this minor setback that you keep going, man, God, I don't know how this is going to work out. And God goes, if you would just believe, if you would just keep believing. Faith plus action plus confidence. Faith is action plus belief plus confidence. Faith is action plus belief plus confidence. you got to stir up your faith so you can get up one more time. I, I, I feel like there's some Marthas and there are some Marys in this room. Whether you're Martha and you say, God, even now, or whether you're Mary weeping, we have a God that meets both of them and he heals both of them. So I came to tell you today, fearless, God wants to make a believer out of you. He wants to make a believer not just out of you, but everyone around you. There are people watching your life right now that their life is going to be revolutionized because of you just doing something you couldn't do yesterday. We said that faith is confidence plus action plus belief. Confidence only comes from seeing God do it yesterday. I wonder what God is setting you up for. Sometimes we got to look back on the miracles he's already done. See, I'm sure when Martha got attitude with God, she looked back on her dad that used to have leprosy, that used to not live in the house. And God, you healed him so you can raise the dead. I guarantee when Mary was weeping, she felt the presence of God. And she remembered that time where she was weeping at his feet. And he, he protected her when everybody was trying to go after her. And she remembered what he did in the past and knew that he had her heart now. I just dare you to remind yourself. Get a little confidence in what God's done. Some of you shouldn't even be alive today. You shouldn't even be here today. You shouldn't be holding Jericho today. But that gives me confidence. And that gives me action. And that gives me belief. And that gives me faith that combats all unbelief. I dare you to step past where you're at into where God's called you to be. I dare you to rise up one more time and say, God, the enemy will be silenced today. We you stand to your feet all over this room. And I guarantee those standing are the Marthas and those sitting are the Marys. But both of you, God is coming to you. He doesn't care if you shout or you cry. He's a God that knows how to touch us in crisis. If you're in crisis in this room, whether you're Martha or Mary, I want you to lift your hand. You say, I'm a believer in crisis. Man, I'm, I'm going through some stuff. I'm walking through some things. I'm, I'm a believer, but I'm in crisis. I need that confidence from what he's done in the past. I need that, I need that courage to remember. Come on, I'm a believer in crisis. I, I need God to do a miracle right now. Thank you for listening. If you have something that you need prayer for, we would love to pray for you. Visit fearlessla.com slash fearless TV to fill out a prayer request or find more information about Fearless Church.